You're listening to Ag Airwaves, conversations with agricultural aviation pilots and operators, experts and innovators who propel our industry. Ag Airwaves is brought to you by Air Tractor and hosted by Graham Lavender of Ag Air Update. I'm Graham Lavender with Ag Air Update, and we're on our next episode of the Ag Airways podcast, and we have a special guest today, Michelle Miller, also known as the Farm Babe. Many of you may have heard her talk at the Ag Aviation Expo as a keynote speaker. Uh, she's been at Ag Air Update's booth over the years and at some state and regional conventions. Michelle, good afternoon. How are you doing? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. Yes, good to see you again or talk to you again. It's been a minute. You too. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Yep. So what we're doing here with Ag Airwaves is it's a podcast for all of ag aviation. And everybody in our industry always fights misconceptions, uh, fake news, whatever you want to call it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's something that, you know, I can remember being a kid doing book reports or when the, the, the greenies came out in the early 90s, you know, always having to basically defend the profession and, you know, defend uh, everything in ag aviation. And you, and mistake me, correct me if I'm mistaken, but this was a hobby for you, right? And you turned it into this huge advocacy platform um, and your reach is in the millions, uh, spreading the good word, I guess, for a, for lack of a better term. Tell everybody how you got started. I mean, wh- what's your motivation? How did you get into this? Yeah, absolutely. So I started the Farm Babe almost a decade ago now. Gosh, time flies. Um, really? But what happened for me was I was a city girl. So, well, let me back up. I'm originally from Wisconsin and my friends were farm kids. So I was involved in 4-H and, you know, in high school, your aptitude test guidance counselors, everybody, you know, you take those tests and uh, everybody, all my teachers were like, you should, you should be in agriculture. So I did kind of have the signs pointing me in that direction as a student um, through middle school and high school or whatnot. But I went to college in Los Angeles and I got a degree from a fashion school and I worked for Gucci on Rodeo Drive. <laughs> so it was the complete opposite of what I do now. But when I lived in LA and in downtown Chicago, I was a city girl for my 20s and you know, I bought into all the misconceptions that you're talking about, right? So, you know, I was the girl that was the anti-GMO activist. I was uh, I would only eat organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, uh, believe that chickens were pumped full of hormones on factory farms. You know, stuff like that that a lot of people do believe. And it's really a matter of fact that they just never gotten a chance to go to a farm or to talk to a farmer or learn from the real experts that grow our food. So, um, here I was living in LA, working in Beverly Hills, and I ended up uh, dating a farmer and I moved to Iowa and became a farmer with him. So I was on a town uh, of, in a town of a thousand people. <laughs> and so it was a huge life shift over time. But through that time of dating a farmer, you know, he was the one growing Monsanto GMOs and spraying Roundup. Like he had the feedlots and sometimes he would use hormones and antibiotics and all these things that people were scared of, uh, myself included. And so I started learning the real truth from real farmers. And I was like, holy crap, like I was really misinformed. And so from there, I just realized that a lot of people are misinformed, but very well-intentioned. And so I wanted to give a platform and a voice to those that 
voices maybe aren't heard because in agriculture, you know, farmers and especially what you guys do in ag aviation are, you know, 1%, less than 1% of the population. So I just saw a need. And so, yeah, I started it back then. And now, you know, with hundreds of thousands of followers reaching 5 million people a month, um, it's just given me that, that full-time platform to tell those stories. Yeah. And that's fabulous that it, it took off and, and you were able to see that niche, you know, need. And, and we preach that amongst ourselves all the time, but there was always a void and how to get that message, no matter how hard we tried to the masses. And, you know, that is one that has been one benefit of social media um, is that just like you're you're stranded in this when you were you're traveling a year or two ago that went viral yeah and that's right that was at your event really cool, you know how that worked out but you know just having of all the the negativity that is in social media it does have a positive you know uh, capability to to get these message out to otherwise people we never reach yeah you know, we can talk to the ffa conventions all day long and we can talk amongst ourselves, but those aren't the people that need the education, you know, and, right. and you're really seeing that void and you're really, you're really feeling that void. What can you remember back when you were getting started? You know, what was your first public appearance? What was your first aha moment? Well, you know, maybe this is something I need to really focus on. And, you know, I knew you were doing it as a hobby and you kind of had an epiphany as well, but what really told you, I'm about to get up and stand up and yell this to the world. Yeah, it was really cool. So when I first started, I did a post that talked about how much Roundup we sprayed on our Monsanto GMOs. Like I just tackled all of the bullshit head on, you know? And so I was just like, I'm just going to talk about the elephant in the room. And I just put it out there. And I just talked about how minimal we spray, you know, like, uh, at a rate of 22 ounces per acre was Roundup spraying one or two days a year. And, you know, people's misperceptions of like, oh, well, you know, you're just spraying that stuff all the time. And I'm like, no, we're not. Like, here's what we do and how and why and why your food's safe and why we eat what we grow. And it was just a, a no nonsense kind of post. Well, I only had 100 followers at the time. And that post went so viral, it reached 18 million people. Oh my God. And so, yeah, so that's what really put me on the map. And so from there, I had a lot more posts going viral and people were just reaching out to me and they were like, thank you so much for sharing our story in a way that a lot of times people just don't know how to do it. And so now as a keynote speaker, that's a lot of what I talk about is, is how to share that story in a way that everybody understands. Um, and just, you know, kind of like dumbing it down, you know, like people don't know, like, what is sprayed, why, when, you know, people are always like, oh, you don't know what people are spraying on that. They're just putting all sorts of shit out there. And I was like, actually, I do know what they're spraying. I know exactly what, when, where, why, and how. Let's talk about it. (laughs) And and it's, it's creating that transparency that nobody else is doing. And so I was able to go full time with Farm Babe about two years in, And it was, I was just reading, I was just sharing information from, you know, Dr. Frank Mitloner about livestock and from, you know, Rob Syke from uh, Canada and sharing these TED Talks and, and learning and reading to the point where as I was sharing this information, you know, Rob Sykes, um, he was, he's the founder of AgVisor Pro and um, AgriTrend, uh, which got bought, bought bought out by Trimble. But um, he was like, 
thank you for sharing his, his staff was like, thank you for sharing Rob's Ted talk and for all of his information. Would you come speak at our event? And I was like, I've never done that before, but sure. <laughs> how many but people I, are going to be there? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> what was that? Like how many people are going to be there? And I got to stand. Yeah. In front of them. Well, right. it, it ended up being standing room only. And I got a ton of compliments. Um, you know, my boyfriend at the time was in my audience and he's like, okay, I, I thought you were going to be good at this, but you're really good at this. And I did take like college level public speaking courses in high school and I was in pageants and I was in theater. So I was used to being on stage and public speaking, but I never knew that it would turn into a full-time career. But here we are <laughs> almost right. a decade later in between my podcast and writing and speaking and being a social media influencer full-time and traveling and sharing those stories is, has become a full-time career. So it's, I'm very blessed and I, I really love what I do and I love this industry and it's the hill I will die on. Right. That's, that's great. I remember, you know, talking about you have to frame the message to who is consuming the message, you know, and one of my favorite things analogies used to be one teaspoon of sugar over 600 bowls of cereal. You know, that's, yes. you know, that used to be one of my favorite analogies because they could relate to that. Everybody knows what a bowl of cereal is. Everybody knows what a teaspoon of sugar is. And, yeah. You know, and the majority of the stuff you see coming out of the airplane is water, you yes. know, and it's just little things like that. And, you know, the fact that you're able to communicate it, thinking about, an ag operator or an ag pilot or somebody just affiliated with with this industry here's what's happening in worldwide agricultural aviation we've got news and tidbits from agricultural aviation's best read publications ag air update be sure to subscribe today at agairupdate.com i'm graham lavender with ag air update and i'm here to recap the latest news in the agricultural aviation industry for november of 2023 first up is a press release from valley aircraft Valley Aircraft has recently purchased Johnson Aircraft Service. Both businesses are located in California. Valley Aircraft and Johnson Aircraft Service have both served agricultural aviations at Medford Field in Tulane, California. Valley Aircraft was formed in 1984 and is a well-known resource in California's Central Valley. In 1996, Valley became an air tractor authorized service center and in 2005 became an air tractor dealer. In 2019, Valley Aircrafts expanded the air tractor territory beyond California to include Idaho, Montana, Nevada, Oregon, and Washington. Johnson Aircraft Service has served ag aviation and general aviation since the late 1940s. Uh, most people are familiar with Mr. Dave Johnson and the strong presence he had in California's ag aviation community. Mike Schoenow will oversee the current operations of Johnson Aircraft Service and Dave will also remain a presence of the company for, for some time, uh, ensuring a smooth transition. In South American news, uh, the Brazilian Senate is going to be holding hearings on the importance of agricultural aviation. There's been some pushbacks with some environmental groups, although Brazilian ag aviation has been around for uh, 40 to 50 years. The Brazilian ag aviation sector has seen phenomenal growth over four to five percent a year. The CINDAG, which is the Brazilian Association, uh, got involved with their National Senate and they're going to be having national hearings and they're going to establish the importance of agricultural aviation in the Brazilian exports. Earlier in November, uh, NAAA emailed a FlySafe message and alerted uh, the industry of an alert it received from the Department of Homeland Security and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. 
They released a public service announcement highlighting potential terrorist threats in the U.S. in response to the ongoing war in the Middle East. Uh, while the FlySafe message uh, quotes in part, while the level of skill required to operate an agricultural aircraft makes it unlikely they will be used, it's a reminder to remain vigilant at your operation, make sure you have security cameras, locks. Um, most people do that anyway, but it's a, a good reminder to keep everything locked up and surveilled. And lastly, in September this year, uh, Agger Update uh, unveiled a, a new updated classified website. Um, the only place in the world with a concentration of ag aviation aircraft for sale, for trade, or wanted um, is. It's got an extensive listing, uh, it's technologically advanced. You're able to search, sort, set alerts, uh, compare listings. Uh, check it out at classifieds.agarupdate.com. What piece of advice would you give them if they wanted to start disseminating some some information or if they want to start advocating just on the local level of you know if if they're dealing with the the nuisance consumer or the the uninformed consumer i may say who says oh you know you're what you're doing is bad is 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 this this and this obviously not factually supported by any means what would your advice to them be on how to handle a situation like that I would say just be completely honest and transparent. I think too many people dance around the spray, right? Like I think too many people are scared to talk about it. Even myself, when I interview farmers, those are the tough questions that I ask. I say, okay, so what are you growing here? What are you spraying? When, why, where, and how? Because I want to know, because I want to be able to share that information. When we are constantly up against the bullshit dirty dozen, which has no merit, right? Um, right. It's just fear mongering sponsored by organic food corporations. And then they don't even tell consumers that organic is still sprayed. And right. so this fear mongering, it's like we have to debunk it and speak up for ourselves and help people realize I get this all the time. People, especially on social media in the comment section, like, well, I just see these planes and they're just spraying stuff all the time to which I respond. Do you know that that spray like what if it's cover crop seed? What if it's something right. else? Do you really know what it is? So don't jump to conclusions and ask them what they're doing. And, and, and don't be afraid to talk about it. Say, you know, hey, I'm out here today. Social media is a great place to reach millions of people for free with a click of a button. And you would be so pleasantly surprised to hear that by sharing transparent, honest information, it's not as scary as you might think. And I remember when I started, I was scared, right? Like I was like, oh, I don't know. There's going to be haters. There's going to be haters no matter what you do in life. It doesn't matter. You can be the greatest person in the world and somebody will find a reason to like push back, right? It doesn't matter. But, the, vocal um, minority, the vocal minority. I mean, yeah, but if you're not talking about it, somebody else will, and it's not going to be the correct narrative. So don't be afraid to just say, hey, I am spraying organic produce today, right? Because organic is still sprayed. Um, and here's what, when, why, and here the why. Like show the damage in the plant. Show the damage. Show the nasty worm. Like I show the ugly. I, I show that. the real the ugly. Corner. and those posts go so viral because nobody's talking about it, but they want to know. So yeah. just get after it and don't be afraid to, to talk about it. If I wasn't talking about chemicals and being a pro GMO advocate, 
who who else is? You know, right. like we have to. People have to feel comfortable purchasing our products. People have to advocate and vote for proper policy. We have to keep our our pilots in business. We have to keep our farmers in business. We have to keep people on the land. And what comes with that is the challenges that if we are not able to protect our plants, we can't feed you. Right. That's so, right. Most people don't realize that. I don't know if they think that the food grows in the grocery store or, or what they think, you know, yeah. the, you know, the old saying um, that used to be on bumper stickers, don't complain about crop dusters with your mouthful. Right. You know? I mean, little things like that, that although it's funny, it's kind of tongue in cheek. It, it is very, very true. Yeah, uh, totally. You know, and that could be, you know, substituted for crop protection products or, or anything that keeps the, the food supply safe. They just don't realize that, you know, there's mouths to feed and, and we're very fortunate as a society to, to have this. Yeah. And I think too, we have to connect on shared values, right? Like common ground and shared values. Like, Nobody wants to like, like nobody wants to go out and spray a bunch of pesticides, right? Like it's, it's expensive. It's time consuming. Farmers would love it if you could just put a seed in the ground and do water and sunlight. And I think a lot of people that have no experience growing food think that that's all it is. And, you know, what, what is a thrip? You know, like what, what are, what is, you know, why do we have to spray and, uh, you know, be like, Hey, like we're doing this. We eat what we grow. We're very comfortable with it, um, but you know, if we if we can't do this, we're not no going to have any farmers. That's right. So, in in current today, what do you see as the hardest misconception to battle? Whether it be crop protection products, whether it be uh, imagery, <laughs> cultural, whether it be livestock, what is the biggest challenge right now? What is the biggest misconception out there that you're beating your head up against the wall and you're saying, what in the world are these people thinking? Yeah, I think um, I think the factory farm myths are some of the biggest ones that I feel like the myth that chickens are pumped full of hormones and antibiotics is a myth that just won't die. Like there is no such thing as added hormones in poultry or pork, but people just think, oh, these chickens are so much bigger than they used to be because we're pumping them full of hormones when that couldn't be further from the truth. Chickens are bigger today because of genetics, proper housing, biosecurity. Um, we're just able to care for them better than ever before, which is why a lot of times we can raise chickens with no antibiotics ever. So <clears throat> it's a testament to how far we've come and how much better and safer our food supply is and how we're continuing to get better year after year. Um, I think that's a really big one. And then, yeah, I mean, I think pesticides, too, is, is a really big one. Um, the the anti-GMO movement. I felt like has had a pretty good shift over the years where that's kind of calmed down. But in recent years, I would say that mm, that's kind of starting to come back a little bit. You know, I feel like the, the anti-GMO, the it's, that's kind of the, the vocal minority has been out a little bit more in full force lately. Yeah. Well, it's, and you know, the big marketers and the big grocery store chains are capitalizing on this, this labeling to yeah. sell more produce, you know, and it, it makes it absolutely no difference. It's just more expensive. And it, 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 uh, it's, it's very disheartening to see them jump on this bandwagon with, yeah. with no factual support. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so true. And like, that's the thing that I tell people to like, when, when you have somebody that's like 
anti-GMO or whatever, or it's like, I'm like, okay, so you don't trust the government, right? Like, of course they don't. They're like conspiracy theorist types, right? So they don't trust the government and they don't trust big corporations. So what makes you think that you can trust the non-GMO project or the organic food label? Organic and natural is a $350 billion business. It's overseen by the same government you're railing against, run by the big same corporations that you're railing against. So like, at what point do you say, um, well, you know, like people will tell me like, how much does Monsanto pay you? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I, as the farmer, I mean, I'm not a farmer anymore, but it's like, no, we pay them. That's how right. farming works. <laughs> right. you know? And so it's kind of like, duh, like, sure. like if we're buying a product, we're buying a seed product or a chemical product. It's because we need it and we know it's the right thing to do. We're the experts. And so I think uh i kind of got off on a tangent there but but like it's you know you're you're railing against the same thing like the non-gmo project isn't broke it's a 19 20 billion dollar a year industry and they are the ones spending billions of dollars the organic industry is funding the anti-gmo movement because they want you to pay three times more for your groceries and that's when people like the conspiracy theory type because you're talking to them in a way that they think, then all of a sudden they're like, whoa. <laughs> they're like, right. yeah, right. it's the government conspiracy. Oh my gosh, Organic right. uses pesticides. <laughs> of course, it's all a farce. And then you're like, yes, see? <laughs> what else do you see besides those? Do you, or, or what's a good victory that you can remember? I don't know about a victory, but, you know, what have you in, in your relatively short career doing this, is some does something stand out where you know you have shifted the narrative? Yeah, the Burger King story. Um, That's a good one. You're right. Yep, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, Burger King came out with this horrible ad that was talking about how cow farts were destroying the planet. And it was this terrible ad that had about 5 million views on Twitter overnight. It went very viral, um, but also so did hashtag boycott Burger King. So they got a lot of pushback on that ad. They were basically saying that we're going to feed lemongrass to cattle because that could reduce methane emissions by up to a third. Well, people kind of were calling out um, Burger King on that. And I was doing some posts debunking it and they were going viral. And so I said, you know, maybe I could just talk to Burger King. So I just did a Google search, like who is their global chief marketing officer? And I, um, I found Fernando and I sent him a tweet just explaining why we found the ad so offensive. And it was, it was a very polite tweet. Um, but just, you know, like talk to us because we, we all care about this. And Burger King actually reached out to me and I invited them out to my farm. They came out with a camera crew. They took down that ad and they put out a new ad that was filmed on my farm. So they took down that ad, they shifted their whole marketing plan. They said, you know, we didn't mean to like offend farmers and ranchers, but it's like, okay, so you're going to feed lemongrass to cattle. Well, there was one study that said, maybe if you feed lemongrass to cattle, you might reduce methane emissions. But the other studies they were doing, that study was done in Mexico. The ones they were doing in the US and the EU those results were inconclusive, not yet published. So even the scientists were mad at Burger King because they're like, you jumped the gun. Like, we don't even know that yet. And then the ag economists were like, "If where are we going to source lemongrass? Like, what, what's right. the lemon? What's the lemongrass yields in North Dakota this year? You know, what I mean? like, it's right. like so. So you're going to ship it from Thailand. You're going to ship right. it all around the world, and that's your solution to climate change. Like, and 
And, and by the way, most methane doesn't even come from cow farts. 97% of methane comes from their mouths, not their rear. So they got so much <laughs> wrong. But I put together a tour for Burger King and I showed them a methane digester and showed them, you know, some of these big cattle farms and um, showed them my farm and, and had Iowa State and Iowa Farm Bureau and all these experts involved to show them what farmers are doing to be sustainable. And they absolutely loved it. They ended up doing more pro-farmer campaigns. They realized they were in the wrong with their ad and it all started with the power of a tweet. So right. I, I preach this often to when I give my keynote speeches and whatnot is to help our industry. And those of you listening to understand the power of your own voice, because you just never know, you could put something out there, you know, like, like the, like the TikTok that went viral on my way right. to your conference where, <laughs> where our flight was canceled. Right. And, you know, it, 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 that stuff's life-changing and all it is, is a TikTok. All it is, is a tweet. All it is, is a Facebook post that reaches 18 million people overnight. Like you just have to do it and you can move mountains. Right. And it's important uh, to remember that when you do it, it, there doesn't need to be any emotion involved. It needs to be factual. It needs to be polite. And mm -hmm. you can't, you know, you can't yell or you can't degrade and, yeah. you know, the, the, the more professional, polite, and appropriate you are, you'll get more traction out of that than if you just are name-calling or saying, you know, things like that. There, there's a <laughs> yes. those things that everybody needs to be aware of and, and how to present them. Yeah, 100%. Um, that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I see people doing is that they just get really mad. We have to put ourselves in their shoes. Over 90% of people are in the movable middle and they're not a lost cause. They just need some polite guidance. And yes, sharing facts in a polite, conversational way. Um, and even using emotion is fine as long as it's the, the emotion from passion that you're here to help, right? Like it's everybody loves a good story that's like the villain and the, you know, the good guy versus the bad guy, right? And yeah. really, we're the good guys. I mean, we're fighting disease. We're combating some of the biggest problems plaguing farmers. And that's right. cool. And that's something to celebrate. So we have to look to ourselves as like, you're not just a farmer. You're not just a pilot or whatever. You are moving mountains. You're doing big, cool things. And we have to have that confidence to put it out there. And right. once you start doing it, it's a lot easier than you might think. Right. Right. I definitely agree. I, I definitely agree. Um, any parting words other than what you just said that that's very that resonates with everybody? Because, you know, everybody and their mother and their grandmother, they all have some type of social media or some type of email or they see people. And, you know, what you said is, is solid advice. But do you have any any parting comments on on, on advice or or anything that the, the listeners now that could that could take back with them? Um, you know, I think we've covered it all. I, I just once again just want to help uh, our industry and just uh, understand um, that you know you really you're making a difference. You're appreciated. You're valued, and and thank you for all that you guys do in this industry. It's a really beautiful industry, and um, and I, I love showing it, and I hope you guys do too. So thank you for having me. Anytime. Any any good travel plans coming up? You going where well, you going? You're in Nevada now, is that right? What was that? You're in Nevada. You're you're yes. speaking now. Yeah. 
Yep. I'm speaking at California Cattlemen's this week. I'm in Reno and then I'm going to Denver on Friday and then San Antonio and then Tampa. And then I'm taking a personal vacation to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico with a bunch of friends. So that'll be like, but you know, every time I say it's a personal trip, it's not a work trip. It always turns into work trip because I'm like, ooh, like a farm. <laughs> Right, right. I get it. Whenever there's like agritourism, like I'm there. You know what I mean? So like we'll we'll see how it goes. But um now y'all's conference is coming up. Uh is it next week? It is. It is. Um and this recording's happening uh in November the 29th is today. So our conference is coming up. So this will probably get published right after the conference. So cool. And, and it is refreshing. in Mexico. What was that? It'll come out when you're in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what dates is it? Um, it starts the third of December. Yeah, December through the third. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm FOMOing this year. I thought to not be there with you guys. I'm usually right. at your event, and this this year I'm not. But yeah, it was a year ago today that I was at your event in uh, or Knoxville. That's right. And that's right. Um, where where you, is it this well, year? You were there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that it was a year ago. Yeah, December December of last year. Um, where is it this year? In Palm Springs. Oh, nice. Have the best time. We will. Well, we are finishing up our podcast with Michelle Miller, the farm babe. Michelle, we really appreciate you coming on today. And uh, I hope to be talking to you real soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Graham. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Ag Airwaves. You can subscribe to this podcast with your favorite podcast app. Get a transcript of this episode and listen to others at airtractor.com slash podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on Ag Airwaves, contact Graham Lavender at agairupdate.com. We'll be back soon with another episode.